This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. We'll get to a few laughs a little later with Duffy's Tavern on the bill, but first, it's The Whistler, and death has a thirst. Wait a minute. Have you heard the weird tales of The Whistler? I'm the Whistler. Here's the sanitarium, Harvey. Is he still unconscious? Yes. Here comes the attendant. We're all ready for him, Mrs. Jackson. Take his feet, Harold. Oh. Had to tie him, eh? Yes, I had to give him a good one on the chin. You'll have to watch him. He may try to get away when he comes to. Don't worry, we've got a lot of tough cases here. Don't let him know who brought him here. And don't let him know I had anything to do with it. Leave everything to us. It's a two-hour drive back to the city, Donna. Yes, sir. Well, I'll phone you tomorrow. Good. If anything happens, we'll call you. Thank you. Uh, Good night. Saturday night, and again, CBS presents... The Whistler. I, the Whistler, know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales. I know many secrets hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. And so I tell you tonight the mysterious tale of death as a thirst. The long black car with a handsome man at the wheel and the woman beside him returns to the highway and speeds on through the night. The man and woman sit staring ahead, lost in thought. The man is Harvey Davis. The woman, Mrs. Victor Jackson, wife of the unconscious man recently deposited at the sanitarium. I'm sorry I dragged you into this, Harvey. But I had to have some help and I knew I could depend on you. It's all right, Donna. I only hope it'll do some good. Victor never drank a drop while we were in school. He didn't drink when we were first married. But after his father died and Victor took over the business, he started. It's a huge concern, and I guess he just couldn't take it. He's always had an inferiority complex. But the thing that hurts me most is that the drinking has completely changed him. Why, he's suspicious of every move I make. He accuses me of the most disgraceful things. Accuses me of lying to him about everything and of of being in love with, with other men. Oh, countless things. Other men? What men? Any man I speak to. Even you, Harvey. Me? Well, after all, if he's going to be suspicious of any man, it would logically be me. Why? You've brought most of your troubles to me. 
He knows that. I'm as good a victim as any. He knows I'm terribly fond of you. Are you, Harvey? From the first day I met you, I said, here's a woman, a strong woman. Maybe she'll develop some backbone in my willy-nilly friend, Victor. That's very nicely put, Harvey. Let's hope the sanitarium does him some good. If it doesn't, I don't know what I'll do. Don't worry, Donna. Just remember, I'll do anything for you. Thank you, Harvey. About midnight, the black sedan arrives at the Jackson mansion. The butler greets Harvey and Donna at the door. Evening, Mrs. Jackson. Evening, Mr. Davis. Evening. Uh, Dr. Saunders is in the library, ma'am. He's waiting for you. Dr. Saunders at this hour? What on earth does he want? You'd better see him, Donna. Maybe he knows. How could he? Come with me, Harvey. Of course. Oh, good evening, Dr. Saunders. Good evening, Donna. Evening, Harvey. Hello, Doctor. This is quite a surprise. I can imagine. I, um... Um, Harvey and I, we've just been for a little drive. I felt I needed some air. All right, so? Um, did you come to see Victor? Uh, Victor isn't here. Really? But I know where he is. You do? He's in a cheap dive of a rooming house downtown. What? But that's impossible. That's where he always goes. Well, you're wrong this time, Doctor. I took him by force to a sanitarium tonight. Harvey, help me. Maybe they can do something for him. You told the sanitarium that I was his physician, didn't you? Yes. Well, they called me an hour ago. He's escaped. <gasps> what? Oh. They said he came to and broke away from them. I know where he usually goes, and I can find him. If you want me to find him. Well, what are you inferring, Doctor? Donna, I know what you've been through with Victor. I know what a trial it's been. I've tried, and you've tried. We've all tried everything we could do to make him stop. Not many women would have put up with what you have. We've dragged him through before. We probably can do it again. I just thought, well, maybe you'd had enough. You do know where he is? Yes, I'm pretty sure I know. Well, then find him. I'm, de- I'm determined to cure him if I have to take him to a desert island. That's an idea. A long ocean trip might be the answer. Just have to hog time. I could do that, too. Very well, I'll have a talk with him. I'll phone you in the morning. Good night. Good night, Doctor. Oh, Harvey. No, no, no. You've done your best, Donna. Oh, but I feel so hopeless. I don't know what to do. (laughs) Try the desert island. Why not? Harvey, it might work, mightn't it? You can help. Your yacht, Dr. Saunders, may be right. Oh, at least it's worth a try. I wonder. Please, Harvey, it may be the answer. I can't get away just now, but... If you're determined, you're welcome to the aunt. Oh, please, I'd feel better if you came along. All right, Donna. I'll go. I'll arrange it. But he won't want to come. We'll take him aboard by force. Shanghai? Well, all right. Just let me know when you find him, and I'll arrange everything. was plastered. Well, I'll leave you alone with him, Doctor. Thanks. That high pole will bring him out of this. Victor. Victor. What's going on here? Who are you? Get away. Quiet, quiet. Take it easy, Victor. Huh? Who are you? Doc Saunders. Doc? 
What you want? I want to talk to you, Victor. It's very important. Important? Come on, Victor. Snap out of it. Hey, hey, what's the idea? What you slap me for? To wake you up. I've got to talk to you. Oh. Oh, hello, Doc. What are you after? Is your head clear? Uh, I guess so. Well, then listen to me. You know where you are? Yeah. Yeah, my old haunt. You know how you got here? Well, let me see. I... No, I, I can't seem to remember. Well, I'll tell you where you're going if you don't pull yourself together. Where? To the insane asylum. Did you say asylum? I did. I haven't told you this, but your great-grandfather died insane. What? And that was your father's greatest fear, that he would be a victim. Oh. And there's nothing that hastens final mental breakdown more than alcohol. Insanity? Are you just telling me that? No, I can prove it. Good Lord. Do you want that to happen to you? Oh, no, no. Oh, but I... Well, I, I just can't seem to quit. You're going away, Vic. Away? Where? I'm sending you on a long voyage with no liquor. Oh, no. No, you're not. No, no, no. I'll get hold of myself. You said that before. I can take it or leave it alone if I want to. But you haven't so far. You've gone from bad to worse. Now you're going where you can't get it. But, Doc, I, I can't. I'd die. I couldn't stand it. You'll stand it and like it. If I have to kill you. No. No, I won't be pushed around by anyone. I know who's back of this, Donna. She wants to get rid of me. Asylum, yeah. Yeah, that'd suit her fine. She'd like that. So she can cavort around with Harvey and all the others. Shut up, Vic. You're all planning to get rid of me. You don't like me. You're taking a trip. Get rid of me and you all share in the estate. Well, you'll see how much good it'll do. But you are taking a trip, Victor. (laughs) And now, here you are, Victor. Several hundred miles at sea. And worried, too, aren't you, Victor? That talk about insanity really upsets you. You believe it, too. Don't you? <laughs> uh, what? Oh, what's this? Where am I? Donna. Do you feel better? What is this? It, it's moving. I, oh, I feel dizzy. I don't think you're dizzy. We're on a boat, darling. What boat? We're on a boat in the middle of the ocean. A boat? Doc Saunders, that's what he said, a, a voyage, it's his oh, idea. Oh, now, Victor, everything's going to be all right. I know what you're planning to do. You're planning to kill me. You want to get rid of me, want me to die. You won't die. Whose boat is this? Harvey Jacques. Harvey. Now I know it's a plot. Now I know what it's all about. You and Harvey, that's it. Please don't be ridiculous, Victor. Harvey consented to let me have the yacht. Is he on board? Yes. Of course. You and Harvey and me a prisoner. What a perfect setup. You don't mean that, Victor. I've been suspicious of you two all along. Who else is on board? Nobody but the captain and the crew of four. And Harvey and the doctor. Where are you taking me? We're just cruising. Just cruising? Till you find the right spot. Right spot for what? To dump me overboard. No one will ever know, will they? And you'll say I jumped over. I was washed over the side. Oh, Victor, what has happened to you? You're like a stranger to me. I, I, I just don't know you. It doesn't seem possible that you're the man I married. My darling, what's happened to you? Don't you know? If I only did. Why, I'm crazy. Insane. Surely you knew that. My great-grandfather was insane, and my grandfather, and undoubtedly my father, so why not me? You're talking nonsense. No. 
Hasn't Doc Saunders told you what he knows? I know. Oh, come now. You three are closer than that. Stop talking such nonsense. I won't listen. Uh, I'm getting out of this cabin. I can't stand to be cooped up like this. No, no, please stay here for a while, Victor. Please. Here, I... I brought you some milk. Please drink it. Milk? Ah. Got a funny color to it. And it smells strange. What's in it? Arsenic? It's just plain milk, Victor. Now drink it. Do you like milk, Donna? Yes, I love milk. Then drink it yourself. Victor! Oh, all over my dress. They're trying to poison me, that's it. Now get out of here. Get out! Oh, Victor, please, darling. Get out! Oh, what do you want, Doc? How do you feel, Victor? They're trying to kill me. They plan to kill me. Who? Donna and Harvey. She just brought me some milk and it had poison in it. I could tell by the color. I think you're imagining things, Victor. No, no, I'm not. They want me out of the way, I can tell. What made you think the milk was poison? It, it was a purplish color. Here, here's the glass. Smell it. Hmm. Hmm, maybe I'm not so crazy after all. I didn't all. say you were crazy. I only want you to stop drinking. Drink may bring it on. Doc, where would they get poison? Oh, come now, forget it. Do you know where they get poison, Doc? I'll see you later, Victor. Maybe. Did you send for me, Doctor? Yes. Did you take some milk to Victor? Yes, I did. What'd you put in it? Why should I put anything in it? Victor thinks you did. You should know me better than that, Doctor. You did put something in it? Oh, yes, I did. Some of that red liquid to make him quiet. Oh, yes, of course, that's what it was. He threw it all over me. Oh, I... I'm thoroughly disgusted, Doctor. I... I can't go on with him this way. He isn't drinking, but there's something wrong. I decided to give it up as a bad job. I... I'm going to get a divorce. Divorce? I'm afraid it's too late for that, Donna. Too late? Why, what do you mean? Well, there's something I haven't told you. I've been hoping it wouldn't be necessary. But after today, I've given up all hope. Why can't I get a divorce? You can't get a divorce from an insane person. Insane? Good heavens. There's been a secret in Victor's family for several generations. Not even Victor knew it. It touched his father ever so lightly, but Victor has all the symptoms. And the liquor has hastened the crackout. I couldn't be certain as long as he was drinking. But today, I realized the truth. Well, I'm bewildered. I've never been so shocked in my life. I wish you hadn't told me. I'm sorry, Donna. I wanted you to be on your guard. He has some strange hallucination about you and Harvey. He thinks you're planning to do away with him. Do away with him? Oh, but that's ridiculous. I, I've i never had such a thought. Never. Oh, but now I am frightened. Doctor, what about Alice? Your daughter's only eight years old. There are no symptoms, and it may miss her entirely. But think what this will mean if, if this gets out about Victor. Why, it may ruin her whole life. I understand that. That must never happen. It must remain a secret. That'll be difficult. It's going to be hard to handle when that craving returns. Yes, he will. I'll think of something. I'll find a way. Doc! 
Come quickly. It's Harvey Davis. What's wrong, Captain? Found him in his bunk with a cord around his neck. Good heavens. <laughs> Quiet, Donna. Come along. Is he dead? No, he's breathing. Found him just in time. He'll be all right in a few minutes. Thank heaven. Harvey, Harvey. Harvey. Uh-huh. Donna, what, what's wrong? What, what's happened? Nothing much, Harvey. Just a little accident. You'll be all right. Oh, my throat. What's going on? You don't remember? No, I was just taking a little nap. I, I feel as though I've been choked. Better tell him, Donna. Come along, Captain. Any liquor aboard, Captain? Yes, Doctor. Several bottles in the locker in my cabin. Let's have a look. I keep it locked because, uh... Hey, it's been jimmied. Well, what do you know? It's all gone. I expected that. I'll skin those men alive. Don't, don't blame the men, Captain. What do you mean? What the devil is that? We did something. Come on. What is it, man? What's wrong with you? The, the boilers blew up. We must have hit a reef. All three of the men with the crew were down there. We've got to abandon. I, I'm, I'm hurt bad, Captain. He's dead. See to the lifeboat. Round up the others. I'll go below. Yes, Captain. Murphy! John! Murphy! Are you there? Lord, what a mess. I can't imagine the... Two days pass. The sun beats down relentlessly on the five survivors in the open boat. The doctor watches anxiously over the still unconscious captain. Donna and Harvey keep a constant eye on Victor, who sits alone in the end of the boat, staring at the horizon. How's the captain, Doctor? Still holding his own. Must have had a bad fall down that companionway. I don't think he fell. Good thing you went down after him. Running low on water, I hope we sight some land today. How much water have you left in your canteen, Donna? Apple. Hey, look over there. What's that? Why, it's a ship. No, it's land. An island. Grab an oar, Victor. Come on, Doc. Well, I've looked all around. Places as barren of food and water as the Sahara Desert. I'm afraid if we do locate any water, it won't be fit to drink. There must be water. What do you care about water? You've got a canteen full of whiskey. How much water is left? I have some, and Dr. Saunders has some. So I'd better get busy. Although my experiences on these islands uh, haven't been so good. Here's a chance to put your chemistry to use, Harvey. You know the test for lead and zinc? Yes. I'll give you two vials, some sodium sulfide tablets, and some potassium chromate. You know the test, one tablet of each and ten cc's with water. Mm-hmm. A dark precipitate means poison. Yes, I know. Thanks, Doc. Well, I'll start off and keep a direct line to the other side. Wherever that is. Wait a minute, Harvey. I think I'll go with you. Oh, why? Oh, maybe I can help. I'd go with you, Harvey, but I'd better keep my eye on the captain. He's the only one who knows where we are. I've got to pull him through. That's all right, Doc. I don't need any help. I think I'll go anyway. All right. If you insist, come on. Harvey, wait. I'm going too. Why? Because I want to. We don't need you. But I'm coming just the same. (laughs) Please, Harvey, I'd like to come. All right. Let's go. Certainly hot. How do you feel, Donna? All right. How far have we come? Oh, ten miles, I should say. 
This is a pretty big island at that. And nothing but desert. Are you sure those last two water holes were poisoned? Certainly. Look good to me. I'm getting mighty thirsty. Better quit drinking that whiskey. It'll only make you thirstier. Harvey, can I have a little water? I'm sorry, Donna, but you'll have to suffer it as long as you can. Please wait. You suppose we'll ever get out of here? I don't know. Oh, it's all my fault. What a shame to get you into such a mess. Please forgive me, Harvey. There's nothing to forgive, Donna. I'd do it again a hundred times over. For you. Would you, Harvey? Yes. Poor Victor, what a sad thing. No one must ever know, Harvey. Promise me if we get out of this. Promise me you'll never let anyone know. No one will ever learn from me. I got him! I got what him! What on earth? Harvey, he's got a gun. Where'd he get it? Come on. I got him. Look. Look, a lizard. A big one. I knew we'd find something. Put that down. You can't eat that. There must be water around here. There must be. Where'd you get that gun? Out of the captain's locker. Better take it easy with those shells. We may need them. Yeah. Maybe I will. Have a drink? No. Hmm. All right. <coughs> I'd sure like some water. How about it? There's just enough for one of us to get back. And if only one goes back, it'll be Donna. Donna. How chivalrous. Who's got the water? I have. Come on. Let's keep moving. There's water around here. There must be. And I'm going to find it. Donna, if we don't find water, he's going to start pleading for what you have. No matter how much he raves or pleads, don't give it to him. He will be, even if he threatens us with a gun, tell him you drank it all. I want you to have the best break out of this. Thanks, Harvey. I appreciate that. I found it. Water. I found water. Hurry, Donna. Hurry. Well, what about it? What's the test show? Just like all the rest. It's full of lead and zinc and heaven knows what else. Poison, huh? Worst chance. How about some of that water? What water? In Donna's canteen. There isn't any more. Who drank it? I did. You both did. You left none for me. You've got your whiskey. I can't drink whiskey all the time. You've done pretty well on it for several years. I've got to have some water. Harvey warned you. Harvey, Harvey, Harvey. Is that all you think about, Harvey? You should have married Harvey. Perhaps you're right about that. You sure that water's poison? I'm not drinking it, and I'm thirsty too. Maybe you're just waiting. For what? I don't know. But I can imagine a few things. We'd better stop here for the night. Are you very tired, Donna? Awfully. Better try and get some sleep. Where are you going, Victor? Just going to look around. May find something. I'm hungry. I'm going to build a fire with this brush. Don't get too far away. I'll be around. Don't worry. Keep a close watch on your canteen, Donna. I have an idea what he's up to. I'll try not to sleep, but I'm dead tired. I'll do my best, Harvey. If he goes to sleep, I'll try to get that gun away from him. <laughs> Good night, Donna. Good night, Harvey. <laughs> Night comes on. The fire burns low. Only a red glow remains. Donna, in spite of herself, drops off into a sound sleep. Victor stirs from his place twenty feet away, looks about him, and crawls silently toward the sleeping Donna. Put it down, Victor. I want some water. There isn't any more. I think there is. You heard what I said. You're lying. You have got some. Victor, what is it? You've got some water and you won't give me any. Harvey. I'm wise to you. You don't want me to have any. You want me to die. You're in love with each other. You're drunk. What if I am in love with Harvey? What of it? Donna. You want me out of the way. Neither of you is very thirsty. No. Because you had some water. And you got it out of that pool. You're lying to me. It's good water. You're crazy. You sneaked it out of there while I was asleep. You, you tried to make me think it was poison. I ought to shoot you both. 
All right, Victor, if you're so positive. Go on down and drink out of the pool. Oh. That gives me an idea. I'll just find out if that water's poisoned. Go drink some of it, Harvey. Certainly not. I'll give you 30 seconds. It's poison, Victor. Go ahead, drink, or I'll shoot. No, don't do it, Harvey. Then supposing you drink some, Donna. Very well, I will. Victor, it'll kill her. Donna, wait. I'll drink it. You're a fool, Victor. But come along. Uh, uh, this is going to be very interesting. Not as much as you think. Get off of me, I'll kill you! Maybe that'll hold you, Harvey. Oh, Harvey. Uh, I'm all right, Donna. Just at my shoulder. I hope you're satisfied now that it is poison, Victor. Maybe. But you two are getting water for some place. All right. Hand over that canteen, Donna. Please, Victor. That's for Donna. I'll take care of it for all of us. And if either of you make a move toward me, I'll shoot both of you. Good night. And sleep tight, both of you. The night slowly fades, and the chill of dawn creeps in. Then, as the sun comes over the horizon, Harvey stirs fretfully, opens his eyes, and looks for Donna. She sits beyond the dead embers of the campfire, her hands folded before her, staring blankly into space. Harvey raises up with a start and moves quickly to her side. Victor is sprawled on his back, the hilt of a hunting knife protruding from his breast. Donna. Donna. Good. What's happened to Victor? He's dead, Harvey. Dead? That knife. Why, it's yours, Donna. Yes, it's mine. Now no one will ever know. Will they, Harvey? No. I had to. I had to. Harvey, hello there. It's Dr. Saunders. Hey, here we are. Thank heavens we found you. Sighted a ship, built a signal fire. They're waiting for us. Well, what's this? Well, Victor must have, uh, must have gone crazy in the night and stabbed himself. Well, let me see. He's dead, Harvey. How'd this happen? I told you, he, he must have, uh, stabbed himself. No, he, no, he didn't. I stabbed him. It's my knife. I, I got to thinking, and I did it. I crept over and I stabbed him. I see. When did you do this, Donna? It was, it was not more than an hour ago. I couldn't help it, Doctor. I, I couldn't help it. Please, Donna, please. There's nothing to fear. I didn't want anybody to know. Because of Alice. They won't know, Donna. You didn't kill him. What? He's been dead for at least three hours. Oh, what do you mean? Look at his eyes. Look at his lips and his tongue, the swelling of his stomach. Did you test the pool, Harvey? Yes. Every pool we've come to has been heavy in mineral content. I warned him, but he thought we were lying to him. Last night, he pulled a gun and took down his canteen. There wasn't much in it, but it was all we had. He's been drinking whiskey, so a little water wouldn't satisfy him. So he drank from the pool. Ah, poor Victor. I guess it's just as well. Don't worry, Donna. No one will ever know. Will they, Doctor? There's nothing to tell. Except Victor Jackson poisoned himself in a fit of extreme thirst. No, Donna. No one will ever know. 
You did your best. You tried hard to make things work out. But somehow fate seemed to take things right out of your hands. <laughs> but you know better, don't you, Harvey? You know what happened. Tell us, Harvey. Tell us. After Victor took the canteen from Donna and drank the few swallows in it, he fell off to sleep. Then I took the canteen and filled it from the poison pool. I knew he'd wake up with a greater thirst, and he did. But I'm not sorry. He's better off. And I found I do love Donna. And I'll take care of her for the rest of her days. There you are. From drama to tragedy. From tragedy to a beautiful love story wherein they will live happily ever after. <laughs> I know. <laughs> CBS has presented The Whistler. Original music for this production was composed and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. The Whistler stories are written and directed by J. Donald Wilson and originate from Columbia Square in Hollywood. Next week, same time... I, the Whistler, return to tell you the incredible tale of the Secret Seven. Good night. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for Duffy's Tavern next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Well, bartender Archie has fallen in love and gets sage advice about marriage from his boss, Duffy. Myers, makers of Ipana toothpaste for the smile of beauty and Vitalis for well-groomed hair, bring you Duffy's Tavern, starring Archie himself, Ed Gardner. Hello, Duffy's Tavern. Where do you leave me to eat? Archie, the manager speaking. Duffy ain't here. Oh, hello, Duffy. Ah, oh, Duffy, I'm as happy as a bee with the hives. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm getting married. Yep, to a very high-class society dame. I, I got in touch with her through the Lonely Hearts Club and the Police Gazette. <laughs> yes, I was intrigued by their slogan. It said, uh, every client comes back and thanks us. The girls ain't pretty, but they're awful anxious. <laughs> Well, uh, I've been correspondent uh, with the Dame Duffy, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to marry, you know? Sounds terrific. Huh? When you married Mrs. Duffy, she was terrific, too. Young and cute and Irish as Patty's pig, huh? Now, after 30 years, you wish you'd married the pig. <laughs> well, at what point did she start to change? 
The minute you carried her over the threshold, huh? <laughs> hey, wait a minute, just a second. How'd you ever carry a fat dame like that over the threshold? Two trips. <laughs> well, Duffy, I'm glad to see that you still got a sense of humor about the sweet old fat slob. <laughs> well, I'll call you back. I got a lot of things on my mind. Eddie. Oh, uh, yes, Mr. Eddie, uh, when a guy's getting married and he starts walking down the aisle, uh, which foot does he start with it? The left or the right? Left or right, he's still off on the wrong foot. <laughs> Why? Well, I'm uh, thinking of committing matrimony, you know. Oh, Mazel tov. <laughs> <laughs> Might I ask you uh, who the lady in question is? Well, the questionable lady uh, <coughs> happens to be uh, Miss uh, Millicent Van Schnook. Mm. What does this schnook look like? Eddie, it's Van Schnook And she's beautiful She says Where'd you meet this Schnook? Van Schnook I'm sorry, Van Schnook Well, I ain't met her yet As I say, the the wedding is being handled through the mails Mm. What won't sales and Roebuck think of me? (laughs) You you say you fell in love with this gal by mail? Yeah, funny thing how it happened, Eddie All began with a mere penny postcard before the week was out, we was mailing hot special deliveries. <laughs> yeah, with the stamps upside down. You should have seen them last couple of letters. Flaming. I told her how she kindled me spark of love and how me embers was burning for her. <clears throat> then I filled up the rest of the page with X's. You mad, passionate thing, you. <laughs> Anyway, I'll soon be married. It'll be wonderful, you know. Get out of that lonely furnished room. Have a real home. Two wash rags instead of one. Two teeth brush. Two towels. Two rings around the bathtub. You're really happy, huh? Yeah, sure am. I've always wanted a family, and who knows? I might uh, have some little ones someday that would turn their sweet cherubic faces up to me and... And say, uh, oh, what? <laughs> well, again, uh, Eddie, remind me to get in touch with Margaret Sangster, will you? Uh, guess what, Finnegan? I'm getting married. That's nice. What else is new? Maybe you didn't hear me right. I'm getting married. M A R R E D. Married? That's stupid. Why? What's wrong with marriage? Well, it's all right for people with children. <laughs> Personally, I, I think it takes the fun out of being a bachelor. Finnegan, you are exactly what you look like. Who's a moron? <laughs> you. Oh, I'm a moron. Who's the guy that's getting married? Look, people got to get married. Our whole way of life is based on it. Why? Well, because men are men and women are women. Well, I grant it's a novel arrangement, but I don't see the point. (laughs) All right, let me put it this way. Uh, Your father and mother, they was married, right? I'll go along with that. (laughs) Okay. Now, if your father and mother hadn't gotten married, where would you be today? Up at the ball game. 
Hey, you see what I'm driving at? Well, do you? Let me put it this way. No. <laughs> well, look, I'm merely trying to explain. You see, the fact that your parents hit the jerk pot, uh, <laughs> this has nothing to do with it. Uh, human life, uh, Finnegan, is deeper than that. Now, take Freud, for instance. He says mankind falls in love for interior motives, you see. But Freud can be wrong. All right. Would you mind if I ask you a question? What? What are we talking about? <laughs> we are talking about love and marriage. Uh, you mean that stuff about the birds and the bees? Yeah. Mere propaganda. <laughs> the birds and the bees? Well, sure. Last week, I took a bee, and I put it in the bird's cage, and... Yeah? Frankly, Arch, nothing has happened. <laughs> I still fail to see whether it has anything to do with something. Uh, however, I won't argue the point. Well, uh, I just... Uh... You're certainly in a talkative mood tonight, Arch. Well, why not, Joe? When a guy's planning to marry a dame like this Millicent, he wants to shout it out to the whole world. Say it with me. Yeah, huh? Yeah. Every week I like to tell the whole world about Ipana Toothpaste. Well, some guys like dames, some guys like toothpaste. <laughs> Personally, I'm a guy that likes dames, you know. Uh, when I give them a little squeeze, I don't have to worry about getting the brush. I thank you. <laughs> Wait a minute, Arch. I like girls, too, but I like them to have a lovely smile. And that's why I like to tell everyone about Ipana. For Ipana helps you to the prettiest, most sparkling smile you ever had. You know, dentists like Ipana so much that it's the toothpaste more of them use themselves as well as recommend to their patients than any other. You ought to try the Ipana way to a pretty smile yourself. Because dentists say the Ipana way works. And it's easy. First... Between regular visits to your dentist, brush all tooth surfaces with Ipana toothpaste at least twice a day. Then massage gums the way your dentist advises to stimulate gum circulation. Then see the difference Ipana toothpaste can make to your teeth, to your smile. Get a tube of Ipana first chance you get. Remember, a good dentifrice like a good dentist is never a luxury. So make the Ipana way your way to healthier gums, brighter teeth, a more sparkling smile. The Ipana smile. The smile of beauty. Hey, Eddie. Yeah? Eddie, uh, see what you think of this wedding invitation, huh? Wedding invitation? Yeah, I just wrote it out. Hmm, let's see. I, Archie, hereby announce his engagement... To the former Miss Van Schnook, Nee Millicent. <laughs> the bride and groom hereby request your presence. Uh, presidents. No, no, I'll try it again, sir. Presidents. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, we are only on that tape. <laughs> uh, see this week, sneaky way or sneaky way to underline the word presence. Continue, Eddie. Okay. <laughs> Those will be optional, but we prefer black tie. Clothes will be optional. Well, that uh, <laughs> don't apply to the ladies, of course. Uh, 
might be a little gaudy. <clears throat> Continue, Eddie. Obscene language will not be tolerated, as ceremony will be civil. <laughs> Signed, Cobina Wright. Cobina Wright? Gives it a little touch of class. <laughs> Boy, it's going to be a big night for Third Avenue, all right? Yes, they are, I hear you getting married. Yeah. Oh, well, may I propose a toast? Oh, thank you, Miss Duffy. What's the toast, then? There's nothing so sweet as a wedding in June. Here's to the bride and here's to the goon. <laughs> oh, you're bitter, huh? Just mad because you're still on a shelf. Oh, yeah? I could have got off the shelf plenty of times. Enumerate the opportunities. <laughs> Who? Well, for one, Ernest Diefendorfer. For two... Breckenbridge Hartsenfelder. And for three, Harold Harper Road. How did she ever miss Adolf Schickel group? <laughs> These guys all wanted to marry you? They certainly did. In fact, Harold Harper Road turned to drink when I refused to marry him. Naturally, a thing like that calls for a celebration. <laughs> but if you had all these proposals, how come your old man has a standing offer of two white shirts to any guy that'll go out with you? And he'll even shorten the sleeves. Archie, that's a lie. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It was Mama that said she'd shorten the sleeves. <laughs> Besides, you're somebody to talk. I'd like to see what's marrying you. What's marrying me happens to be a very beautiful society dame from a family with yachts and swimming pools and packet cars. And I'm going to be the man that owns one. Oh, just marrying her for her father's money, huh? Who's marrying her for her father's money? I'd marry her no matter whose money it was. <laughs> and I resent the inference that I'm a piccolo. Say, <laughs> uh, by the way, did you get the wedding ring yet? Oh, oh, yeah, thanks for reminding me. Give me that phone. Hello? Tiffany and Schwartz? <laughs> uh, genuine department, please. <laughs> Hello? Genuine? Mr. Tiffany? <clears throat> this is Archie of Duffy's Tavern. Uh, I'm thinking about getting married. Thank you. Uh, tell me, tell me, Mr. Tiffany, what have you got in a diamond wedding ring? Something with a nice large floor. <laughs> huh? How many carrots? Uh, oh, I know, about 30 or 40. <laughs> hmm? How much? Hmm. Let me talk to Schwartz. <laughs> oh, Schwartz? Uh, what have you got in a nice diamond ring? Oh, up to about five bucks. <laughs> huh? You'll let me know as soon as the glass blower comes back from lunch? <laughs> Okay, Schwartz, I'll wait for your call. George, five bucks for a wedding ring? So what? I make that kind of dough in a couple of days. <laughs> Besides, this is one marriage I want to get started right. You see, Finnegan, a woman is a peculiar thing. You've got to approach her tenderly, like a delicate flower, or else love is apt to wane out the window. Yeah. Sarge, how did you ever learn so much about love? Just observation. You see, before I worked at Duffy's, I used to be flashlight man in a drive-in movie. <laughs> well, 
Jay, you certainly learned a lot. Good evening, Archie, me boy. Well, Clancy to come. And how many of to you? Thanks, in the back of me hand to you, sir. Uh, Eddie, some bourbon. Uh, three fingers for the long arm. (laughs) Thank you, Archie. I could use a pick-me-up. You know, we had our annual policeman's ball last night. I feel terrible. Wine, women, and song, huh? Yes, but not necessarily in that order. It's too bad you weren't there, Archie. No, Clancy, my days is over, is it, Spinster? Uh, I gotta settle down now that I'm getting married. You? Taking the leap? Mm -hmm. I thought you always played hard to get. I did, but I found if you play too hard to get, you don't get (laughs) cut. Well, I, I certainly hope you found the right girl, Archie. You know, choosing a wife is a serious business. When you embark on the sea of matrimony, make sure you don't do what I did and get a leaky boat. <laughs> you never know what kind of a woman you get until after you marry her. Yeah, it's like taking a poke at a pig, ain't it? <laughs> and I tell you, Archie, marriage is just like a hot bath. After a while, it ain't so hot. <laughs> Take my case, for example. Mrs. C and I were married in a beautiful little ceremony over in Ireland. And accordance with the tradition... First I kissed the Blarney Stone, and then I kissed Mrs. Clancy. You know, the Blarney Stone had more pucker than she did. <laughs> yeah, I've met Mrs. Clancy. Pretty horrible kisser. That's right. You have met her, haven't you? Yeah, but the dame I'm marrying is different. Uh, plenty of dough, uh, gorgeous figure, you know, loaded with money, beautiful eyes, loaded with dough. Just a second, Arch. You wouldn't be thinking of taking money from a woman, would you? Is there a law? (laughs) But, Archie, that would make you a leech and a parasite. Leave us not think of me as a leech or a parasite, Clancy. Leave us just think of the dame as an arch supporter. (laughs) (laughs) Arch supporter, me. Hey, that's good. I think I'll send it to Wool and Winchell. (laughs) Remind me to do that, will you, Eddie? Okay. Uh, By the way, this telegram just arrived for you. A telegram for me? Let's see. Hey, it's from Millicent. She says, yes, she's going to marry me. She's on her way down here. Oh, congratulations, Archie. Well, thanks, Finnegan. Congratulations, Miss Archie. Thank you, Eddie. Condolences, Archie. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Clancy. I'm only kidding. Marriage is a fine institution. And underneath it all, I think Mrs. Clancy is the salt of the earth. I only wish I could shake her. <laughs> well, good luck to you, me boy. Archie, may I offer my congratulations? Well, thank you, Joe. And I'd like to give you this little bottle as a wedding present. You think I should be hitting a bottle so soon after I get married? (laughs) But you didn't look at it. It's a bottle of Vitalis. And Vitalis means well-groomed hair. Do you get it? Not yet. Feed it to me slow. (laughs) Don't you see? If you use Vitalis, your hair will look... Well, I mean, you'll be a well-haired groom. Joe, is your last name Miller? (laughs) All right, so I'm not so good with the jokes, Arch, but you've got to admit that what I say is true. Vitalis is perfect for well-groomed hair, and it's particularly good if you're troubled with dry, unruly hair, hair that's been dried out by sun, wind, and water. Why, no other hair preparation can give your scalp and hair better protection than Vitalis and the 60-second workout. For the Vitalis formula contains two of the same ingredients that many skin specialists prescribe for dry, flaky scalps. 
plus all the other extras that make your hair more handsome, more healthy looking. So try the Vitalis 60-second workout. Let it prevent scalp and hair dryness, rout flaky dandruff, and give you the best-looking, healthiest-looking head of hair you ever had. Look your best tomorrow if you get a bottle of Vitalis today. doing there, Archie? Uh, studying over these travel folders, Miss Duffy. I'm trying to figure out where to go on me honeymoon now. Newport, Palm Springs. Palm Springs, that might not be bad. I hear they get some pretty nice-looking dames down there. <laughs> yeah, they'll come in handy on your honeymoon. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, let's see. Bermuda, Cuba, Nassau. How about Lithuania? Why Lithuania? What's wrong with Lithuania? Nothing. Okay. Well, that settles that. <laughs> now, where else could we go? Miami, Monte Carlo. Why would anybody want to go to Lithuania? Katrinka Yabak comes from Lithuania. So what? Katrinka's a very nice girl. Well, so is Millicent a very nice girl, and Millicent's the one I'm going on me honeymoon with. Well, okay, then. Okay. Go anywhere you want. That's just what I'm going to do. I still think you ought to go to Lithuania. <laughs> I think you should go someplace. <clears throat> uh, let's look over this folder here, Eddie. Honolulu, just overnight from Los Angeles by Pan American Airways, only 3.38 round trip, including sleeper. Eddie, remind me to pack me sheer black pajamas. Hmm? <laughs> uh, don't bother me now, Finny. And the dame I'm going to marry me, future Sprouse, is going to be here any minute, and we've got to get busy. We ain't even shoveled an aisle through the sawdust yet. You mean you're going to have the wedding here? Why not? People get married over the radio, they get married in theaters and airplanes. That's right, Arch. I even heard about a couple getting married in a church. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Now, let's see. I got to get the ring and the minister, the uh, carnations for the ushers. Well, uh, how about orange blossoms for the bride? Uh, let's not spoil her, Eddie. Just whip up a couple of martinis. <laughs> Now, let's see. I'll need striped pants and a castaway coat. And uh, <laughs> uh, I've got to make reservations for a trip through the tunnel of love. Now, what else? Uh, uh, what kind of music are you going to have at the wedding, Archie? Well, we're going to have organ music, of course. Organ, huh? Well, that's nice. Who's going to pass the tin cup? You? <laughs> Frustrated humor, if I ever heard it. <laughs> Miss Duffy, this ain't gonna be no hurdy-gurdy organ. It's gonna be a beautiful pipe organ playing the wedding march. Mm, I'll bet you wouldn't even know which wedding march to play. Well, how many wedding marches is there? There's two. Lohengrin's and Mendelssohn's. And which one do you like best? Well, Mendelssohn has always been my favorite. And I'll bet you was his, too. <laughs> and that's the one we're gonna play. Eh, what a dopey wedding. What did you say? I think I made myself plain. No, Mother Nature took care of that. <laughs> now, look, Miss Duffy, please, don't leave us argue on me wedding night. Uh... Uh, Miss Archie, if this wedding is going to take place tonight, don't you think you ought to rehearse it a little? A uh, good idea, Eddie. Uh, yeah, who could be the preacher? I'll do it. Uh, good. Uh, now, who could be the bride? How about me? Not even by proxy. <laughs> 
Let's see, who could be the bride? Uh, George. There's my girl. <laughs> then again, how would you like to be me bride? Okay, Arch, but first I think we'd better get me mother's consent. <laughs> no, it's only make-believe. Now, here, uh, hold me hand. Hold your hand. Yeah, okay. okay. Now, uh, start the ceremony, Eddie. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we are gathered here... Uh, just a minute, together. Eddie. Uh, what's the matter, Finnegan? Can't you stand still? Well, I'm neighbor, George. This is a big step in me life. <laughs> Worries me. Suppose we ain't compatible. Well, if we ain't, we'll just shake hands like little gentlemen and call it off. Now, go ahead, Eddie. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we are gathered here together... Uh, uh, just a second. Not that I want to butt in, but don't you think the bride should have on something old and something new? Hey, this is one time she's right. Finnegan, uh, you got on anything that's old? Yeah, my pants. <laughs> Uh, what about something new? The patches. <laughs> you know, I guess that'll cover it. <laughs> All right, proceed ahead, Eddie. Uh... Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, we are gathered here together. Well, Arch, I can't go through with it. What's the matter? I feel chilly marrying you. <laughs> Why? Well, you're so much taller than I am. <laughs> Would the bride please keep a trap shut? <laughs> now, come on, let's get this over with. Do you, Mr. Archer, take Miss Millicent to be your lawful wedded wife? Miss Millicent? Yeah. So already you got another woman, huh? <laughs> and again, there ain't no other woman. It's just an example, a, a metaphor. I don't care what your metaphor. Get her out of my house. <laughs> Maybe we better make it so he can understand it. Uh, call the bride Finnegan. Okay. Do you, Miss Finnegan, take Mr. Archer to be your lawful wedded husband? Do I? Huh? Do I? <laughs> Finnegan, it's I do. Okay, then you marry him. Finnegan, this ain't a real wedding. It's only kind of, uh, you know, mock believe. Uh, now, try it again, Eddie. Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are gathered here together. Hey, wait a minute. Uh, hey, who's that dame that just come in the door there? Better go over and see what she wants, Eddie. Okay, I'll be right back. The preacher has to go wait on a customer. <laughs> what a place for a wedding. Miss Duffy, to me and me bride, this place will be the little church around the corner. Don't forget, to people in love, things only seem to be what they are. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, Miss Archer, guess what? What? That girl that just come in as your bride to be. You mean that is Millicent? That gorgeous hunk of punkritude? That's right. <laughs> She's beautiful. Hubba, hubba. Pardon me, uh, are you really Millicent? That's right. <laughs> there you are, Chief. Miss Van Schnook, would you mind to repeat that? There you are, Chief. Finnegan, is there any limbs missing from your family tree? <laughs> Why? Well, if you are, then you're little Millie. 
<laughs> Millie, I got sad news for you. Archie just left town. He went back to his wife and his 12 children. Gee, I've been tilted. <laughs> well, I think you're better off, Miss Van Schnook. That Archie was never no good anyhow. You know, he's a cheat and a crook and a no-good bum. Tell her about him, Eddie. No, go on. You know the facts better than me. <laughs> See what I mean? Uh, well, I guess I'll just have to go back home and try me luck again. Uh, don't leave, Millie. <laughs> uh, I think you're kind of cute. Yeah, uh, you're pretty cute, too. Uh, I think we got something in common. I wonder what it could be. <laughs> hey! I got it. Do, do you like touchy rolls? Yeah, I love them. I'll bet that's what it is. <laughs> what do you say we go down to the candy store and split one? Uh, can I trust you? Well, sure you can trust me. I'll divide it even. <laughs> okay, okay, it's a deal. Uh, so long, everybody. So long, everybody. Well, so long, you lucky couple. I hope you'll always be happy together and... If you have any children, name them after, uh, the Gargantua. <laughs> hello? Oh, hello, Duffy. Next week, uh, Charles Coburn. Well, he's, uh, sort of an old Jolson. Yeah, yeah, the only difference between Jolson and Coburn is that when Jolson gets down on one knee, there's a chance that he'll be proposing to a dame. Well, anyway, Coburn will be here next week, Duffy. Uh, be sure to listen in, huh? Okay, goodbye. <laughs> Time now to leave Duffy's Tavern for this evening, but let's meet here again at the same time next Wednesday when our guest will be Charles Coburn. Duffy's Tavern is brought to you by Ipana Toothpaste for the smile of beauty and Vitalis for well-groomed hair. Each Wednesday, Bristol-Myers brings you Duffy's Tavern and Mr. District Attorney, which follows immediately over most of these stations. Well, thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Jack Benny, followed by Inner Sanctum. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.